0: This is a crowd podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas and I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app. Jump on your smart trainer and jump into Zwift. Closer or welcome. So Garrett, your globe trotting at the start of 2023 carries on. So you've done tour down under in Adelaide. You spent some time in New Zealand and you're in Los Angeles now. So first of all, how was your final week in New Zealand? Yeah, it was wet. It was nice down south and then we flew up
0: to the North Island because, yeah, we had these, yeah, wanted to see more. Then outside, all these things booked for stuff for us to do and that. And um, still managed to train well, but... Yeah, well, as soon as we got to North Island, um, we were staying in Airbnb and the woman messaged us saying, here's a red weather warning for rain. So, um, yeah, if you need to stay another day, then, you know, we can sort something out. You know, we don't have to pay full price, whatever. And then we looked into it more and it's like, yeah, if if you're staying in Rotorua near water, probably best to get out of there if you can. And we were just like, holy moly, what's happening? And this is when we're at some, like, Maori, um, you know, where they just teach you about the culture and stuff. And this is at, like half eight at night and we're thinking oh no like we're not gonna be able to pack up now because we got like about five cases and four hand luggages and a bike in the airbnb so we're not gonna be able to pack that up like in a split second and obviously got max as well who's overtired and giddy. so but anyway i had a few changes of plan but it was all right in the end the weather wasn't even that bad really so you know it rained a lot more in cardiff i think but no, it was it was strange for that for New Zealand summer. I didn't really expect so much rain, but it was all good though. We still got a lot of good training
1: We also used your time in New Zealand to record a very special bonus EP of the pod, didn't we? Which we'll put out in a couple of weeks.
0: Yes. Yeah. Are we saying who it was?
1: I don't know. Why don't we do a little bit of a tease?
0: Okay. It's not much of a teaser, is it? I I don't know what to say because
1: why don't we say it's one of New Zealand's greatest ever sportsmen who has now got into cycling. And if people have been on your social media, they may guess if they haven't, they can start making their list of New Zealand's greatest sportsmen.
0: Yeah, it is a good one. It was pretty, um, I wasn't, I was a bit, um, nervous might be the wrong word, but or anxious or I don't know that makes it sound like really thing, but I was a bit like, Ooh, you know, normally I know them, you know, and they're cyclists and it's just like, you know, take the piss and stuff. But, you know, when it's, um. Well, you wouldn't want to take the mick out of this guy, would you?
1: <laughs> Even <laughs> no, if it's online or not, you know? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. He's a big, strong man. Uh, talking of big, strong men, um, good timing for our guest today because the Six Nations has started. Before we get today's guest on, how are you feeling about the Gatland era part? Duh. <laughs> you optimistic for Wales?
0: Yeah. You know, and not everyone's not just talking about, you know, Pivac and how bad Wales are, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's, you know, they're still going to have been training and working 100% but now the whole narrative so to speak around them is a lot more upbeat so I think that's going to be great for the boys should we get him on took your line there never said that
1: we all love coffee don't we G never
0: do this pod without one Tom Or a ride, actually.
1: Yeah, there is nothing better than a quick coffee for a cold winter ride or before hopping on Zwift. So I know we'll both be delighted with the next sponsor of this podcast, Origin Coffee. Also, there is a cheeky discount code we've got for all our listeners. Origin Coffee are one of the leading brands on the coffee scene and they get just how much cyclists love coffee. And
0: get this, Tom. Origin's director of coffee Freder is a three times UK
1: cup tasting champion. Not once, Garrett, not twice, but three times. That is pretty impressive. Would you like another great fact? All online orders are roasted and shipped the very same day. Super speedy, just how we like it on this podcast. They also have a rewards programme, so customers like you and me can earn points and get cash back every time we shop online.
0: So why not try one of their delicious espresso blends or an interesting single origin coffee? There are so many profiles to try, and all the coffee comes in home compostable bags. So if you want to order some Origin Coffee and get a massive 30% off, just go to origincoffee.co.uk and use the
1: code GTCC30 at checkout. That's the code GTCC30 at checkout. Go and get yours today. Enjoy!
0: Right, Tom, it's time we got a Welsh guest on now, the best type of guest for the GTCC, or any podcast for that matter. He's a former Welsh captain, former British and Irish Lions captain, but his greatest achievement, he's now a podcaster like me. Welcome to the GTCC, Sam Warburton.
2: Hey, lads. No, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. I'm sure it'll be a fun hour ahead. But, yeah, I'm a podcaster like you, G. So, you've always been the one I've been chasing. You were always winning things first in sport, and then you sort of... <laughs> You've sort of set the be- you've set the benchmark with podcasts as well. Don't so try and follow your lead on that as well, mate.
0: <laughs> well, you stopped before me though, didn't you? Because I remember uh, jumping straight into it. The day you retired was um, the day that I won my first road stage in the Tour. Apleur Rossier took the yellow jersey. It was the day you announced your retirement? I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah, it's mad to you because well, um, like I'm now. 30, i'm 34 next month in october and and it's still strange because say obviously everyone always talks about i say everyone the, the people who do mention us us as you know you me and, and gareth um and like you, you know gareth's obviously my age still go in you're a few years older still going. i'm like flipping heck like you boys are going to have another whole half of your careers while i've sort of just been sitting on the side eating Maltesers and just chilling out <laughs> doing, not doing much. You know, you boys still at the elite level. So I, I, I admire, God, I admire how, you've, how you keep going and keep that from a mental perspective as well. So, no, good on you, mate. It's a hell of a shift you've been putting in so far.
0: Yeah, it's taking its toll now, though. I'm starting to get a few grey hairs. A lot more grey hairs, I mean. Hey, mate, uh, look at my chin.
2: Have you seen my chin? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you- that's not playing. That's kids, I think.
0: <laughs> no, I think... Uh, Rugby is a completely different sport mind, isn't it? Jesus. It's like compared to cycling or okay you get some big crashes in cycling, but staying stay on your bike is pretty easy on your body. Is uh yeah, big old difference because a lot of a lot of rugby players go into bike riding as well, don't they? Do you know what? seem to. I, I,
2: yeah, when I did the um, and you'll you'll know I did that ride for Vildinger not long ago, and that was my first proper road ride. And I was um, I actually found the climbing really enjoyable because you sort of go into that mental space and you're sort of digging in a bit. And i actually much rather go up than go down. And we had this big day. I say big day, but for us it was a big day going up. And there must've been about, you probably descend it in half an hour, but we were going, it felt like we were going down for hours, hours and hours. We, we climbed for about four hours and came down in about an hour or two. But I took ages and everyone's looking at their Strava going, like looking at their top speeds. There's people going to like 45, 50 mile an hour. They're like, oh Warbs, what was your top speeds? it's in the whole day going down now there's some sort of decent gradients and I was like 26 miles an hour so I was like in the middle of the road because there's like ditches in Mallorca on the side and I was like in the middle of the road and there's all these Europeans like flying past me shouting because obviously my bike etiquette my bike etiquette was terrible I was in the middle of the road absolutely papping myself going off into a ditch on the brakes non-stop and they're shouting at me and I'm like swearing back in English like because I'm like sort of scared <laughs> in the middle of the road and then I was chatting to the, the tour guide and I, I was saying mate you're mad I, I, and I had a whole new pre- appreciation for like things you do never mind going on like cobble and stuff and i was like how I, i literally i said i was terrified going down i don't know how you and the pro boys do it and don't worry i'm thinking what if like a an animal runs out in front of me or a stick gets in my spokes i'm coming off i've got kids if i come off this at 50 i'm gone never mind that like even at 26 mile an hour i was i was panicking i said how many ops have you had you know And he said, well, he said, it's all perspective. He said, how many operations have you had playing rugby? And I said, seven. He said, well, I think you're bonkers. And I was like, yeah, touche. I kind of, I I know what you mean sort of thing. Because I think, well, I'd... I actually find it I'm much more comfortable running into eighteen stone blokes than going downhill on a bike at fifty mile an hour. That terrifies me. So I guess it's all perspective. What you used to, but yeah, that was um, that was an eye opener for me. To be fair, that charity ride. So yeah, they are you're right. Very different sports. Both I think very both dangerous. Not that it's said competition of what's more dangerous. Both both dangerous, but very daring at the same time. Yeah. So on that ride, where did you go? You did Sacalabra, didn't you? See, I, yeah, we did Sacalabra. I, I loved it. So we went up some people obviously didn't do it they like because you got it's a bit of a it's a good climb to get up there to be fair you got to climb a Mm. fair way to get up and then they said yeah right we got to do another sort of 10 minutes then we got to go we got to descend and you got to come all the way back up and some people like oh no the the couple of climbs that we did was fine but i I loved the climbing and because i had the um i had like a turbo trainer in the house so but what i was naive at i didn't do much road cycling all i did i'd go on like the, the turbo trainer at night I literally put on a few podcasts, some music. I literally climbed for like two, three hours. So I was like, I'm not gonna get embarrassed and not be able to climb. So I was like, the climbing, I was like, I found it okay. You just pick a nice rhythm, you, you know, found someone I could chat to sort of thing and just climb sort of thing. But then going down, I found her, But the Sackalab, I got up and there was a guy who did a triathlon. Um, he's just actually done the triathlon in Wales now. And I got up to the top and there's like loads of people. You, I know you, you'd laugh at this, but there's people like in tears, hugging each other, because like, they were so proud that they did it, and I was, and they, they all were all saying, "Oh my god, that's like the hardest thing I've ever done." And and I just looked at this Iron Man guy. I was like, "Man, I love that. I loved the." Uh, don't get wrong. It was it was hard. Of course, it was flipping hard. But I loved that sort of like battle with yourself where you just sort of, right, get into a little dark space and just climb and I'm not going to let it beat me, you know? And I don't know, maybe sports have a little bit of a different mindset and it was painful and it was was hard, but I, I love that adversity and like trying to climb and prove people wrong. I bet a lot of people thought, I oh, he's 16, 17 stone. He's got no chance getting up there, but I loved it. I thought it was, it was, it was tough when it was one of the hardest things, probably the single hardest thing I did aerobically because that's completely out of my comfort zone, but I strangely loved it. Sounds to me, G, like we've got a convert here. And it also sounds to me like
1: we need to be recommending Sam his next climbs that he has to take on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, we had uh, Martin Johnson on, didn't we? And he see, he sounded exactly the same as what Sam does now. You know, it's just I guess when you retire as well from professional sport, like you always want that challenge, don't you? Like you, you know, when when you're a pro athlete, you're constantly like training for something. You've got these big goals and big targets. So when you stop, it must be that's one thing I've been thinking about. You know, because obviously who am I kidding you know it's going to come to an end at some point and the thought of like not doing anything is just kind of strange so yeah it's good to see like these boys now they've kind of not that they've turned into like bike riders like 24 7 but just having those challenges to sort of really just get out of bed in the morning and that are tough and like really sort of scare you almost like oh because think about it like I don't know I'm gonna make up a number now but playing rugby must be I don't know, what's the longest, like, before there's, like, a stoppage or, like, you know, a break. It must be, like, 90-odd seconds, two minutes max, I don't know. But, like, on a bike, you're, you're riding for, what, six hours.
2: Yeah, that's it. So, in, in rugby, like, the longest, on like, if you get two minutes, like, you ride, right, that's, that's pretty long. A freakish run of play you can go to three to four, but that's, like, that doesn't, that's every... Once in a blue moon, so about yeah, you're right. Ninety seconds to two minutes is about is about right, um, and that's why like you know six seven hours of cycling is just absolutely alien. You don't, in rugby you don't train for that. So say somebody says to me, "Oh, yeah, I'm going on like ten k runs and then running jogging for an hour." I'm like, well, it's very unspecific to rugby because one, you don't you only cover six or seven kilometers. Two, it's multidirectional, up and off the floor, including contact, acceleration, deceleration. It's not just a one paced leisurely jog so that's why cycling is so different to rugby because it's continuous the the good thing is is that's why i think boys like the hills the rugby guys like the hills because they like pushing and trying to go through that i think the the stuff which i think everyone i've spoken to seems to be naturally most find most aid is the downhill the descending and going at speed the speed thing is the thing that we Find really hard, but being able just to grind a hill is is okay. So I love that. I, I I'd rather like skiing. You get a ski lift to take you to the top, then you come down. I wouldn't mind climbing up to the top and having a ski lift to bring me back down on a bike. <laughs> so if we could do that, I'd be all o- I'd, I'd be all over it. <laughs> Sam, as you got
1: into road biking, what were the sort of rookie mistakes that you found yourself making? Because everyone does this, and for some people, it might be struggling with clipping pedals and having the moment and the traffic lights where well, they just gradually fall over to the left <laughs> what was it for you because i've heard you had an issue
2: with bib shorts the first time that you pulled a pair on oh i put them on back to front and i looked like the big show off wwe and <laughs> um, i didn't know how to put on a pair of i didn't know how to put on a pair of bib shorts so i went to this shop i got i got sized up i, I walked out i was like guys i feel a little bit exposed at this and they're like oh no no it's 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 back to front you're meant to have that bit is on your back and you're meant to have it the straps coming all the way down i I didn't know what i thought it was like a leotard i was like you know they're meant to be just short so they're meant to go over my shoulders oh no no they are meant to go over your shoulders you know so i literally was complete complete novice at cycling i got like a a mountain bike i've been out on the mountain bike but i mean you just you don't clip in on a not not the level i was just going out on didn't clip in on a mountain bike i don't think you do anyway at pro level i'm not sure um but yeah, that was that was alien to me. But even now, like a rugby player, ex-player, um, coaching Saracens now, and I saw a picture of his knees. He came off a bike and his knees have both been like sort of sliced right open. And I think anyone who's been cycling for a long amount of time, who's pretty experienced, not at your level, G, like just even recreationally, they've all come off. And that's the only thing that, that worries me. And I don't mean coming off at a traffic light. I was actually okay at clipping in and stuff, but like going into a car or something like that. That, that's the only thing that freaks me out is just getting because I've gone through so much injury playing rugby the mm. thought of you know I got two young kids now if I had to come back and be like oh sorry I've come off a bike and then I'm useless around the house I'm not sure I could oh that that would cause a lot of a lot, a lot of unnecessary stress you know so I haven't been out on a bike since actually um because it's actually deceptively I didn't realize how time consuming it was going to be to train for this sort of event and i think they actually cut back the event a lot because a lot of people didn't train for it properly i think they really underestimated it and i sort of knowing obviously following g and having a basic understanding of cycling i saw the sort of itinerary and i was like oh, you can't just turn up for this you know you're gonna to have to put mm. some hours in so i remember telling people what my hours were like and how i strategically increased them over about three four months and they were all laughing going, oh my god you'll find it easy because everyone will just go out on a flat for one or two hours that they've got it where i was like doing making sure i was putting in like a lot of climbing and things like that then just putting in some general work going flat but yeah i think because i got little kids when they get older my youngest is my eldest is in school my youngest nearly in school when he's in school i think i'll be able to justify the time to go out Mm. a little bit more um but there's still quite a bit to do you know with a young family and, and work bits and stuff so another few years i'll probably be Doing a bit more cycling, a little bit more golfing and stuff like that. But right now I'm sort of in a thicker family life as well. So yeah, tricky balance to, to get out on the out on the bike at the minute.
0: I can imagine you kinda of lose that card, don't you? Like, uh oh, sorry love, I gotta go out. Like I'm got It's my yeah. job, you know. I gotta go to the gym, <laughs> I gotta do this, gotta do that. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, as soon as you retire, it's like you don't have to do
2: that anymore. Take the bloody kids. Well, what do you think you'll do then? Like, what, what would you do for a competitive kick when you finish? Like, obviously, you'll keep cycling, I imagine, because that's a no-brainer. Is there anything that you think or that you want to pursue that you've been thinking about?
0: Uh, well, I've said I want to do an Ironman. Um, so yeah. 100% I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. But also, we had Lori Morgan on the podcast, who um, she's just unbelievable. She does all this um, ultra-running stuff, ultra-marathon things. And oh. she said... She was talking about the Dragonback. I don't know if you heard of that. It's from like North Wales. Oh, down I've heard about that. Yeah. Over five days. Like, that's like bonkers. But um, that's also thinking, oh, yeah, maybe that would be quite cool. But um, definitely an Iron Man, though. But other than that, around that, I don't know. What, are you, what are you like at running? I haven't run for, for, well, since I was in school. So. It's a long time now, isn't it?
2: Because I was chatting to George, you obviously know obviously know George North well. And he said he went running with Becky when she finished cycling, Becky James, who obviously you know well from cycling. And he said he just burst out laughing because she couldn't (laughs) she couldn't really run properly because she's obviously been on a bike. And he was like, I remember I was with him. He's like, Becky, show Sammy your run. Shut up, George, you know, and she wouldn't run. But like obviously now she she can run and she's more normal. Have you been out on a run or does it? Because obviously, like there's no need for you to go running. It's not like you're off season, they say, Oh, gee, go for a run to sort of keep your cardio going. I guess you just jump. On a bike, wouldn't you? There's no reason for you to run, or do you do a little bit in between?
0: Yeah, sometimes some October's I have this grand plan like, oh, I'm gonna do some again to my running this winter, you know, and in, in the off season, keep a bit of the weight off. Because for me, as soon as I stop, boom, it just piles on, you know. Um, nothing to do with the beer <laughs> and all that.
2: I realize because you mentioned I'm doing the um. What was it the Cardiff half before wouldn't it You because that, and that mm. was sort of good timing in the sort of October half season that would be quite a good little sort of challenge to sort of gradually break you into the Ironmans as well
0: yeah definitely yeah I think so when I well when it's all confirmed when I decide what I'm going to do you know how many more years I can actually start you know getting a bit more of a plan together how am I going to do it but because I say like I say now like, oh, I just want to do an Ironman just to do one you know and enjoy it and just you know ride around but I'm sure once you start training for it, you'll start like start chasing times when you're like, looking at splits. Like, oh, if I just run a bit quicker yeah, here, yeah. swim a bit quicker there. But um, yeah, we'll see
1: how that goes. Like, so, G, if Sam were to be an elite rider, can we choose a discipline for him? Do you think he would be best uh, concentrating maybe on track, like short explosive stuff? Is he going to be a one-day racer on the road, a Grand Tour contender, maybe a mountain biker? What do you think? <laughs> Um, but I definitely go more
0: sprint orientated on the track and stuff, maybe. But I think out of all the rugby boys, actually, maybe not all of them. You know, someone like Shane Williams is pretty handy, and he like he does Iron Men, doesn't he? He quite a few actually. Yeah, but, yeah, he's good. See, um,
2: good aerobically as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I don't know. I think you know someone like Sam, like if he, you know, committed to it and wasn't too worried about the whole um, crashing aspect, you know, one day classics. You know, I think, you know, he's, he wouldn't be, you know, we, we all know like from his playing days, he loves to just get stuck in and just smash people. Like that's half the battle in, the, in those cobble races is positioning and fighting for position and that.
2: So, yeah. So I'd be rubbish at the endurance stuff. Like said, I think that, like you say, the track stuff, I would probably enjoy a bit because I was that sort of kid when I was growing up, like, you know, you, know what, you remember when like was like, you go to the athletics meets and stuff when you're in school and I'd be doing the like, um, uh, pentathlon like the sort of you know the, the half decathlon and I was always really good I was always really good at like the sprint events the high jump I could throw a discus a shot put lot like, whatever you wanted because I was quite explosive and I'd always be in the running going into the 800 meters or the 1500 meters and I do the 1500 meters and I'd end up outside the top 10 because I just I just crashed because I wasn't <laughs> aerobically blessed so yeah I'm very much sort of like down you know you've got to continue you got one end of the continuum is aerobic, which is obviously like, you know, your Tour de France and stuff like that. You've got the other end, which is obviously like your sprint cycling. You know, I'm probably quite far down the continuum up towards a sprint end, you know. So aerobically, I've always had to work really hard. Well, there is, luckily Sam, there is
1: a velodrome relatively close to your your home city. Um, and I know, Geraint, you've got a couple of connections there. <laughs> Especially now it's been re- rebranded, Geraint Thomas
0: National Cycling. Hang on, let me start that again. Geraint Thomas National Velodrome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I don't have my so rugby ground named after me, not yet anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd pay money actually to see like Sam, George, a few other rugby boys like getting up for a keyring or something. I could be the derny, I could set the pace, swing off, three laps to go.
2: Be a good laugh at. Yeah,
0: that would get some that would get some people in watching.
2: Have you been on the ride with George? What's he like? I imagine George's power output's pretty good. I've been on the bike with him. I wouldn't necessarily call it a ride. You know, we, we rode to. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I can to him good. Let's do it publicly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wasn't too bad, to be fair. But we, we rode to uh, Cowbridge, just had a beer, and rode home. Um, it was with my, with my father-in-law as well. To be fair, George was all right. It was my father-in-law that was slowing us up. He was. He was in a similar boat to you, actually, Sam. He was. He wanted to do up the after I went up there in 2018. And with COVID it's been delayed and stuff. And we happened to do it this year. And he was like, you know, trying to train for it. And he, but he didn't really have any idea what it was going to be like. And then he came to watch the tour this year. Cause we went up Alpe d'Huez and, uh, we were doing it ourselves, me and him like two weeks after the tour. And then he came and he was like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe I've got to actually ride up this in two <laughs> weeks. Then he was full on panic training. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he grovelled a bit for like it took him about two hours. Kind of.
2: <laughs> oh, savage! That's a long one.
0: Oh yeah. Well, in the race it took us thirty nine minutes, so we could have done it three times and had a coffee and still would have been quicker than him. But and I like to tell him that, <laughs> that uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I, heard, I heard that on the um, so how much because when we did the Sacalabra one, we we all like we all finished it. And somebody said, oh, yeah, like you lads would do that in, yeah, around, like, 25 minutes or something. I'm not sure what the time was, but literally just blitzed everyone. I I was thinking George maybe more on the sort of velodrome. I I don't know if you obviously haven't seen him on there. I imagine he'd be more good at just the sort of sprint stuff, you know, because his legs are enormous. He obviously could put a lot of force to those pedals. But, yeah, I don't think he'd be too good at the uphill. He's too big.
0: He's massive. (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of – he's okay, like, around the veil, you know, because it's only 30-odd second little – blitz up a climb in it but um no it is bonkers though when you see you boys like in the flesh because you know like it's like anything in it on tv it looks like it looks obviously hard and brutal but when you actually see you guys like in real life and it's like man i could not imagine running at one of you guys snap
2: (laughs) i think it's funny because it's i think it's exactly the same because when like say and you you won't know but say like when i was playing and uh, even coaching and stuff for like, say either you're on in a race in the team room and all the boys are just like, like no one even, even though you're playing, you're at the top of your sport in rugby, no one even pretends they could come anywhere near close. Everyone's just like, oh my days, how fit. That's just unreal. Cause it looks like you can tell, you can tell even when you're going uphill, It's like, that's my sprint, but you've always got like a real, there's like a big gradient going on. You look like you're just powering up it. And we're thinking, look how quick the bikes go in. If that was us, we'd literally be chugging along like a slug at two mile an hour, you know? And so I think there's that appreciation for both, you know, and I think I'm sure cyclists look at, you know, you just think, oh, imagine if you just got, parachuted into the principality on like the 50th minute during a Wales England game you think what this is crazy that if someone did like you said if someone did exactly the same to us and parachuted us in and just dropped us on a on a climb in the middle of one of the one of your longer races you'd be like an absolute fish out of water you know so I think it's nice that I think when you have when you do play sports you don't go alpha and think yeah I could do that you you do have an appreciation and understanding for what the other sportsman's going through because you just know the amount of hours training all the things that people don't see what it takes to be able to turn up and get at that level you know it's not just something that you just do turn up on a whim and people do who do i think these charity rides who turn up and just think they can just wing it they get humbled very quickly and normally within the first few hours they, you know, it's not even like a few days few hours they just maybe there's a lot of guys going oh my god i, I can't do this i'm gonna to have to pull out you know and we have to scale back what we're doing so i think yeah i think unless you actually do it i would recommend people if you are a well obviously they are if they're listening to this but you know anyone that any new listeners like, give it a go because you will soon have a whole new appreciation for the sport big time you know
1: Sam I think we need to flip this one round. having asked Geraint what sort of rider you would be uh, Geraint has told me on multiple occasions that he fancies himself as an elusive number 10 very much oh, in, 10. Cla- oh. yeah, in the classic Welsh <laughs> mould sort of Phil Bennett so I would like to know uh, firstly <laughs> firstly your reaction to that that bold claim and secondly if Geraint were to start playing club rugby, realistically, what level in the Welsh game could he get to? Like, are we talking like Clandaff seconds that he could get to or does he need to just rein things in a little bit? Oh, I, I
2: think Geraint would certainly guess to get money out of playing rugby if he wanted to, if you wound back the clock. I, I was sort of <laughs> thinking more of a... Um, you, you might take this as a compliment. I hope you do. Um, I was thinking more of like... Um, mould you into like a Louis V. Samet. Because I was imagining like when you're on the wing, because you've got to be so fit to be back three. The fittest players now are back three. Back three and nines. They're they're your fittest players. I think Garen would be wasted at nine. Um, So I was thinking winger because the thing winger's got to do now, they're just relentlessly chasing high balls, running back, covering the backfield. So you've got to be incredibly fit and you've got to be able to repeat high-speed efforts a lot, you know? So I think that repeatability would just be, that's probably the hardest thing to train into a rugby player. That That's something that obviously G would just get at the click of her fingers, could just repeat high-speed efforts just nonstop because of your sort of anaerobic and aerobic base. So I was thinking like on the wing, but I mean, if you want to go 10, I'll, I'll back you with 10. I, I don't know what your handling skills are like, see. <laughs> I know you have the athleticism for the wing, but I didn't know what your catch and pass would be like as a 10 or your kick, to be honest. So um, did, did you play a little bit when you were in Witchurch or not? a little bit I've
0: got it all mate I can catch kick you know I can just whatever you want I got it seven (laughs) I'll leave that stuff to you guys like but I like to just call the shots you know you'll have to play seven (laughs) but yeah that's that's yeah the, the only problem with that I get the whole running and stuff and, you know, backing it up and being fit and that. But as soon as I got the ball, I'd be in trouble then.
2: Run up and down chasing them. You can pass it as often as you like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what your job, you just ship it on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what about, um, have you got any more um, cycling sort of challenges coming up then? Or I know you've put it on the back burner for a bit, but.
2: Yeah, there there was another one coming up um, in America. They were doing like going through the canyons. The Grand Canyon ended up at Las Vegas, which obviously sounds amazing, but. I couldn't go away to Mallorca, which was, it was only a five day commitment, but I'm, I'm traveling a lot on weekends anyway, covering rugby games throughout the season. So I didn't want to go away for another, I think it would have been about 12 days of travel with, you know, my wife at home with the dog and a couple of young kids and stuff. So, like I say, when once they're a bit more self sufficient, I think I'll probably be able to commit to a few more, you know. So, uh, but I actually love the the social side of it. I'm quite, um, I don't know what you're like, I'm quite a, I'm very much an introvert, quite a quiet, insular guy, and I thought going on a cycle charity ride, I'd be would be a bit like a fish out of water. Like, you know, I'm not very sociable, but I actually loved the. I met some people there who still texting you know regularly got on with really well like made new friends and it sounds strange because I know some listeners think well you're 33 you're not too old to make new friends but you think like oh well I got my friends from sport I've got my friends from school um, you know I don't yeah I kind of got my friendship group sorted without, without sounding arrogant you know you just don't think your life's going to sort of spin off then you sort of meet a few really interesting nice people and stay in touch you know so I actually really enjoyed the social side of it which really surprised me because I'm not like that at all you know I'm very insular kind of guy. Um, so I actually love that. So that's the bit I was most daunted about actually. The, the physical challenge of it excites me, even though I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a good cyclist, I'm saying all this, I'm, I'm not good, but I, I enjoy it, which is the main thing, you know? So I, I enjoy the challenge of getting out but the social side of it is actually great as well. And I didn't realise how much I'd enjoy that. So there will be one coming up again soon. I'm, you know, like yourself, I'm patron for Valindra Cancer Hospice in Cardiff. Um, so it's nice to know that, you know, a few hundred thousand goes towards a charity as well and, and genuinely help save lives. So, yeah, I imagine a year or two's time then I'll be back on the horse and probably doing a more significant
0: challenge. Well, we'll before that then, we'll have to get you and George down to the Garen Thomas National Valley in
1: Wales and we'll... Do something down Do you know, there. Eh, Tom? That'd be
2: good. We get some. We get some cool stuff down there. It'd be good.
1: Definitely, yeah. Sam, can you remember what it was like when Geraint won the tour? I suppose because it did coincide with your retirement. Maybe your head was full of other stuff. But can you remember how it felt as a Welshman seeing a Welshman win the tour?
2: Oh God, it was everywhere. Like the thing is, when you're playing rugby, and I'm sure Geraint, without being patched, it might be a little bit like this now because. For for you, I mean, because when you when you're competing in sport, and I I think this now I watch Six Nations and so I cover it now, you know, on the TV, and I think Egg, was I part of this? Like you just because it looks so grand, it looks so amazing, and you you see how many people are watching it, and the streets are lined, and it's very surreal to think that you are actually part of that. So, like. I'm sure you knew because obviously everything would have exploded. You know, on top you already had a big profile already, but then you know it would go to another level once you're a Tour de France winner. But like Evan was just saying, I just remember back home, it was huge news, obviously, because it was you know it was one of the greatest sporting achievements from any Welshman ever in any sport. You know, and but everyone was just like, wow, that's just like another level of greatness, pretty much. So that's just but it just totally eclipses what most any sportsman in any sport in all over the world can do you know to win that it's just when you actually think of how many people cycle worldwide and to be that one guy you know it's just it's a phenomenal achievement and i think there's just a genuine sense of pride that somebody from Wales has actually been able to do that, you know, and it sort of leads the way and it's inspiring for a younger generation and it's just has, the knock-on effect is is massive. So I don't know, I, I think maybe, I said this to players when I speak to rugby boys, I'm like, you don't really appreciate your impact until you retire. And say when, when Garrett retires now, he'll send, in, in a positive way, He'll he'll send shockwaves throughout, obviously, the UK because you've represented, you know, Great Britain. And the Olympics and all that and but it, it'll send shockwaves immensely through the UK and through Wales because you don't realize what your influence has been on people until you suddenly take a step back and that bubble has suddenly been burst around you and you actually then you're just more aware of what's going on it's mad so I'm actually looking forward not to your career ending I'm looking forward to when you do announce your retirement the amount of messages you'll receive will be you it will be you won't be able to comprehend how many people will get in touch it's just such a lovely feeling to realise god you've put all this effort in and it is actually appreciated you know so I hope you go on for another 10 years but when the time does come yeah I think you'll be surprisingly overwhelmed with the amount of love that you'll get from people in Wales because yeah it's obviously an amazing achievement yeah it's true that because I think as a
0: as a well any athlete but especially in, in bike riding like even the tour there's there's always another race like in a couple of weeks time and sort of the 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 circus continues so to speak you know and you always have to get back on that wagon and just go to the next race and you know whatever and you never have time to really stop and reflect but um but does that mean you know like you've obviously stopped now and retired but would you like do anything differently or see things slightly differently when you're actually
2: playing yeah it's a good question actually because i remember when um when we won in 2012 and you know you remember it being a rugby family we, we we beat england in 2012 in twickenham and we won the triple crown um which was the first i think it was the first time we won the triple crown in twickenham ever and uh, then we went on to win the grand slam and i remember in the changing room after the triple crown ryan jones who was the previous captain he was chatting to myself and a few of the other players who were playing alongside me because we were all pretty young back then we were like young 20s a so boys like you got to enjoy this because this this doesn't happen often. Like this is, and then we beat them obviously you know, the, the year after at home by a record margin, thirty points to three. And he was like, "Lads, I've taken like this little 12, 24 month journey that we're on now is freaky." Like, but we were like, oh, no, this is international rugby. We've come on. We're we're smashing out the park. You know, this is great. We've won two Six Nations in a row and all our Lions tours." And you quickly realise that it's not that easy. And then we did, we went about five six years without winning a Six Nations and realised how hard it was. But like you're you just on this carousel, not non-stop, and you think success comes easy, and then suddenly you get humbled with a few years where you don't win, and then you realise, crikey, pro pro sport is hard. Like it is flipping hard. And but I always remember that, like. When he said that, I actually took it on board and thought, no, you're right, I, this is amazing. And I always tried to appreciate when I was doing something. And the last game I ever played, which I wasn't... I didn't really know it was going to be the last game I played, but I knew I wasn't enjoying playing at that moment in time. And I did want to finish. I, I wanted to finish from quite a young age because I, I found it... I found- Sounds was really ungrateful to say I didn't enjoy it, but there was a lot I didn't enjoy. Um, and I was standing at the halfway line, you know, obviously Captain of the Lions, it's the third test against the All Blacks, we were in Eden Park, and they got the extra stands there, it's like 65,000. God knows how many million are watching at home. And they were doing the hacker, and I was standing there as Captain of the Lions. I remember just watching across the hacker thinking, wow, this is... Because it felt like, you know, it's like, do you like... It felt like, it sounds a long time ago, but it didn't feel long ago. We were just walking through the corridors of Wichards High School as a kid and aspiring to be these sort of athletes. And I was there just looking at it, thinking, wow, this is this is it. You know, Lions in Eden Park, in Auckland, final test, winner takes all. Like, oh, wow, like, I was really proud of myself. You know, for the first time, I probably actually managed to take a step back even in that pressure cooker to be like, "Shit, this is amazing, you know? And I think that's why I was sort of, I was happy to finish because I was like, right, I've done it all. I've done it all. I, I don't have to put my family through it anymore. I don't have to put my body through it anymore. Um, and, and I was happy. So I actually, weirdly, I look back, I have no regrets. My only regret would be if I had one, there's only one It was, um, if I was able to, to play longer, for, for mental and physical reasons, for for both reasons, mentally and physically, I didn't want to keep going. I would have looked, like I said, I was a bit of an introvert. I played at Cardiff my whole career, which I'm very proud of, and I wanted to do that intentionally. I deliberately stayed. I did go across to France and have a look and you know I would have been paid a lot more money to go and play in France, but I, I did decide to be loyal to Cardiff and stay there. But if I had a few twilight years where I wasn't an international player anymore, it would have been cool to, to travel a little bit um, and to maybe play somewhere else. When, when you're sort of mid-young 20s and I was captain in Wales, it would have been the really wrong decision, would have sent out a bad message. But then, yeah, maybe when my family weren't old enough to be in school or I might not even had kids at that time to trap me. Like, I've always thought like playing at Bath would be really nice or maybe a nice club in the south of France. I did look at Toulon, but it was a bad. It was just not right timing that's my only regret but then I never got to that point so obviously I finished before that so I kind of look back satisfied and the good thing is it's been five years now since I played and I haven't actually got a regret and even the first year I retired I was walking the dog up the Wendell by me and um, I can see the stadium the principality stadium in the distance from from my house and I turned around I looked back at it and I was covering the game for BBC that that afternoon so I just had my dog walk I was going to fly into the stadium and I'd only been retired a year and Wales were going for a Grand Slam decider, which they did eventually win against Ireland. And I was sat on this bench. I looked back and I looked at the stage and I thought, if someone said they could parachute me in now and I'll play and I'll be part of a Grand Slam decider, or I could just stay here, water the dog, and just cover the game later on BBC, what would I do? I just had this like sort of internal conversation with myself and I went, I'd stay here. I'd stay here and I'd be with the dog. I don't want to be involved. And I, I've just known from the day I finished it was the right thing. Like I think some players finish and they really badly regret it and they keep talking about how good they were and they missed the game and, just, and it's painfully obvious and they struggle mentally from that. But I've never had that struggle, so I've always been satisfied. So, yeah, it's a good question, but I actually don't have any regrets, which is why I think I'm so happy in retirement and so content is because, yeah, I did what I wanted to do and I finished on my terms, which is nice.
0: Just one thing that, you know, like with, I get it sometimes, you know, when it's just stress, like there's, you're you're rocking up to a tour stage, you know, it's a race you prepared for, for a year, you've been thinking about it the whole time and it's raining, you know, it's going to be a bit windy, it's going to be stressful, like you can do everything like right, but you can still get taken out by someone else, you know, luck has to kind of be on your side a bit. And that build up to it is just, horrible and sometimes you can have that little devil <laughs> on your sorry. shoulder, you know, like for that 10-15 minute you might have a bad sort of period and you just kinda like but once you get into it, you're you're good. Like it's almost like that computer, as Steve Peters used to say, you know, the computer in your brain sort of takes over and it's automatic and you just love it and you do it. But then in um then after the tour, you do some other races, Tour Denmark, no disrespect to Tour Denmark, but 100 odd K to go and there's all these Danish Vikings like fighting boxing on with you for every millimetre of the road and you're like boys it's like 100 K to go like, <laughs> nothing's going to happen like we don't have to <laughs> ra- race like this um, like that was I, I couldn't imagine I don't know if it was like when you played rugby but was there sometimes when you were like this is a bit like uh, I can do it like at the very highest level but like No, I I don't really want to say it, but when you're playing for like Cardiff or something, and you know, you're playing like Edinburgh on a Wednesday night up there, and you're kind of a bit like, shit, I'd I'd rather just not play this and stay safe, you know?
2: Sure, it's not, yeah, it's nice when you hear people like yourself say that. And I was, I know you've spoken to Martin Johnson on this pod as well, and I was chatting to Martin Johnson about it, and he was the same. He used to hate like the last meal before we go out and play, like, because the nervous energy was horrible, and I wake up on a match day for anyone i played really, but obviously heightened at international and Lions level, as soon as your eyes, eyelids open, I'm like, shit, match day. And I, it would just be full of nerves and anxiety. But just as you said as well, which is, is strange, because I say, why am I feeling like this? Because I have, I'm, I'm so nervous and anxious before every game I play, but I haven't been nervous or anxious for a single minute of any game I've played. When the whistle goes, then I'm playing I'm in. Like I said, that that computer's on, and I'm just like I love it, and I, I love that physical confrontation, c- competition, adversity. But I, I love like it's that's amazing. I love that. I wish I could just get to that point in the click of a fingers. So the competition is is the awesome bit. But when you play. Say in rugby, you know, you can't play too much in an annual year for, for safety reasons. So you might play on a big, big year. I mean, it can go up to 40, but I would only ever play up to maybe 30, 35 games maximum a year. I mean, when you think about it, your time's that by two because you're on the field with halftime for two hours. That's only like 70 hours of the year maximum. So it's three days. Only three days of the whole year you're actually competing at that level. So I say to people, it's what people see, but it's actually a percentage of what being a rugby player is actually about so yeah that that nervous energy like it it goes on for so long but actually fuels such a small part of of your daily life but so that's why I very much had a love-hate relationship with rugby because I'm be like match day is the worst day about playing rugby but playing the game and winning is the best bit so the 10% of victory or success outweighs the 90% of adversity like tenfold you know that's why you do it you go through all that because it's worth the success, you know? So yeah, when people say like, oh yeah, and I'm sure you get it. They'd be like, oh, you're living the dream. And I'm like, well, pfft. I'm like, well, I've had to jab myself in the ass to take the dog for a dog walk with painkillers. I've been given a three out of 10 in the press. People are saying I should be dropped. I've got a scheduled shoulder up in three months. <laughs> I've on tour in a month for another two months away from the family. I'm like, I ain't, I'm not living the I'm not living the dream, mate. Like, and then you like now I've got time to reflect. I look back and I think, oh my God god i was so lucky to do what i did so yeah when you're in it it's hard you actually just crave a bit of normality i'll tell you one actually true story which i told the other day actually to someone in private they couldn't believe it the, just the emotions you go through as a professional so there's obviously the great bits you know when you go, that's what you realize you got to take the rough with the smooth if you want to be admired and you want to have you know let's let's be like i don't like saying it but it is a a nice factor of pro sport you know you, you get financial freedom so to speak you know, it, you know you you never take those things for granted especially with the climate that we're going on that's going on now with cost of living and stuff so those things you, and like, well, then you got to take the rough with that if you want that you've got to be able to take the criticism the injury you know sacrifice some time from family you can't have it all you know you can't and I was a time I was away playing in France for the club like you say G like I was playing a It was in a European game, but it was in in the second tier European competition. I was out playing a team in France. This is only a few years when I retired, because I didn't know what I was going to do when I finished playing. I was genuinely, and my mate I was rooming with was going through the same emotions. He was sort of in his thirties like me. We're like, what are we going to do? We're like, we were chatting. And I was like, well, I like property and he liked property. And I'm not, I t- no joke now. We were both genuinely on the Redro Homes website, looking at potential job opportunities when we finished. Like what jobs we'd go into at Row. <laughs> Like Row. I like mean, that that de- that desperate. And like, I remember saying to my agent, like, when I was near in the end, I was like, mate, I've, I've got nothing, what am I going to do? He's like, Sam, just don't worry. When people know you're going to retire, stuff will happen. I was like, yeah, but as things are right now, I've got nothing. And, like, you know, we, rugby players don't earn the money of cyclists or the footballers or golfers or tennis players. You know, it's it's a nice living, but only if you get to the very top. And even then, it's only going to last you a certain amount of time. Um, so you do have, like, these worries, like, outside of rugby as well. But then you look back and, yeah, it all works out as long as you plan properly. But, yeah, that, that's just sort of just a snippet of the emotional rollercoaster you go through. People just see you turning up on the pitch, cheer your name when you're doing the warm-up. Oh, great, he's getting lauded, but they don't see everything else that it takes to get to that point. So people say, do I miss it? I'm like, well, yeah, I miss it. Of course I miss playing for Wales. I miss it every day. But do I miss what it takes to get to that point? Then I say, no, I don't miss any of that. So yeah, I miss playing, but I don't miss the 90% of effort that's taken to get to that point to finish then. To or to to live that last ten percent, which is which is the hundred percent that people see, but not many people sort of see the the ins and outs of being a sportsman. So once they see the whole picture, I think they sympathize a little bit more.
1: So where are you on that continuing, G? Because you've got another year on your contract. Are you in that place when you're looking towards the end and you're starting to feel ready for the end, or are you still right in the midst of it all? Yeah, I'm still
0: still loving it. To be honest, like last year was the lowest point for sure. Like I think we spoke about it. Um, on the pod like the whole contract stuff the tour was terrible the Olympics even worse and like it was a it was a bad like couple of months to be honest but then this year has just been great I've just like loved racing still enjoy riding my bike which I think is the main thing Um, still happy to you know hurt myself and like as in efforts wise not actually falling off like that's although I've been fortunate so far this year but um Yeah, and I'm still like enjoying all that. Like it's enjoying, you know, there's a lot more younger guys or maybe I'm just getting older actually, but there's a lot of young guys (laughs) in the team now Um, and enjoying like riding with them as well and not telling them what to do and stuff, but just sort of, you know, leading a bit more by example. I'm not one to just sort of like, you know, be loud and talking all the time. But yeah, so yeah, the team, like Rod Allenworth, who sort of... um, team manager now um, Dave still oversees everything but he oversees the whole of Ineos sport now like Nice football and everything but yeah Rod's keen for me to extend and things but it's just one of those we got to sit down this winter really decide with Saar and um, but uh, you know next year will be my 17th year as a professional and I am actually looking forward to doing something different I'm not wishing it away or anything and I'm not like over it but the thought of doing something different now is exciting as well Cause well, it's a long time, that isn't it?
2: It's nice to hear that, though, because that's that's the one thing. Like, yeah, that the one. There was a time I was in, in, like, um, towards the end. I was in a team meeting, uh, on the pitch, and normally at the end, some of the senior guys might talk about you know what was good and bad in the meeting. you know what we'll do. You know when we come back in in a couple of days' time. I remember that that's normally a meet I might contribute to, um, or you know, I might say something. But I remember at this point. I was looking at the grass. i remember just thinking. I got no interest in this at all. Like it was weird. Like it just, like like a candle, it just went out and it was straight, and I knew it was time. That's why it's really nice to hear when you say you still enjoy it. I like I still love covering, I, I love covering and watching rugby now and I love the sport, but I got to a point, I just, what I don't know why still can't put my finger on why I wanted to stop competing but knowing like hearing that you still enjoy it and you want to compete that's the main thing as long as you still want to and you enjoy competing then yeah like keep going because then I think it's the people who say if it was taken away from you now that's the people I think who, who would struggle more in retirement I think if if that flame is still there then like still run with it or excuse the pun like you still cycle with it like still yeah. go, <laughs> still go do you know what I mean and, and do it and like just because like, it, it is a gift if you're still able to do it you know from an injury point of view and so yeah it's good to hear that you're still enjoying competing that's why i don't want to talk ill of rugby and trying to see people i know you should retire it's great do what i'm doing i think as long as you're still enjoying it you can still compete and 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 you're healthy then yeah go as long go as long as you can you know so it's good to, see, to hear you're still in that frame of mind
0: yeah looking at it the other way as well though i'm also mindful i don't want to do one year too many and like be the one who yeah actually finds like finds out i'm over it and it's march and i'm like shit i've still got nine months and i'm you know, it's like there's been a lot of guys in teams. I've Well, I've only been in one team more or less, but there's been a lot of older guys that have come through there in the last year or so and they're always like moaning and on the bus and stuff. You know, guys are just aren't the best to sort of be around for morale and stuff. So I definitely don't want to turn yeah, into that yeah. either. So yeah. yeah, don't want to do one it's too good many. you recognise that. Mm. Mate, I'm wise.
1: <laughs> so Sam, before we finish, tell us about your
2: podcast rather than Geraint's. What are you up to? Okay, I'll do my thirty-second elevator pitch. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, so no thanks, Tom. So I'm doing a um, uh, with with you know similar with, with Crowd Network. I'm doing a, a podcast called Captain. So I'm I'm hosting it and I'm speaking to various captains from um, all different types of sports: cricket, football, athletics, rugby. And just basically, it's it's been really it's been quite therapeutic for me actually, just being able to bounce off them and see how they've done things and compare notes, and it's been it's been really good. So that's that's coming out soon as well. Um, so really enjoyed doing that, and it's um, yeah my first venture into the into the podcast world. So really enjoying it.
0: Quality, I'll have to listen to that. I think uh, you you got Luke Rowe coming on as well, haven't you? I think he said.
2: Yeah, he is. Yeah, so I say we got to sort of try and find people who fit the mold of who've been in because there's obviously loads of sports I'd love to to have on there but because the theme is sort of captaincy it's sort of people who've been in captaincy type roles you know in their in their discipline you know so yeah Luke's scheduled to 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 come on as well so look forward to, I've never met him never met him properly you know so I look forward to, to chatting to him as well
0: mate he's full of shit so uh yeah take everything with a pinch of salt <laughs> <man>. <laughs> 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 and you can leave that in, you don't have to edit that out, Tom. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well cheers. Thanks for that, Tam. It's been uh well, pleasure. Been great to catch up and uh yeah, maybe see you
2: down at the um oh is this a Jew barrage in Rubina by you? <laughs> yeah, that's the one, the Jew barrage. You can count you can sort of bank I'm gonna be there once. Once a week or once a fortnight at least. So um, yeah, I'm in there more <laughs> often than not. So you'll probably catch me in the, in the local curry house in Rabina. Quality. Well, thanks for coming on. Been a pleasure. Lovely. Cheers, lads. Good to speak to you. and See you again soon, no
0: doubt.
1: Gee, I am delighted to announce that we have got Momentus back on board as a sponsor for a series three of the GTCC. Momentus, a little bit like you, Gee, are dedicated to optimising both the mind and the mind. And body, and they're leading the way for high performance seekers at all levels. Right, so for those not familiar with Momentous, gee, tell us all about their flagship product.
0: Yeah, so PR lotion is something I've used on my body for years, Tom. It basically delivers bicarb directly to your muscles via your skin and bypasses the gut, which I don't know if you have a drunk bicarb, Tom, but that's a big plus. The best time to use it, I find, is an hour and a half before your workout on Zwift or out on the road or whatever you're doing. And it's not too sticky either. It doesn't get stuck in your hairs
1: if you've forgotten to shave. And it definitely helps me train harder. All of this is true, G. It is actually scientifically proven to improve performance and decrease muscle soreness and helps you make all those training goals. If you want to get your hands on some PR lotion, Momentus are giving GTCC members, that's you listening right now, yes you, 25% off. Give them the code G just head over to
0: prlotion.com and use the code GTCC2022 to get 25% off today. Enjoy. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do.
1: Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips, and tricks.
2: Told by leading names in sport and beyond.
1: Who know what it takes to get to the very top.
2: There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow.
1: Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.
0: Tom, Zwift are back for their third season sponsoring the GTCC. Which means our Wednesday 6pm group rides continue. Exactly. Just hop on your trainer, open up the Zwift app and join the group ride. You get to ride alongside us, all our club members, and wear the in-game GTCC jersey. And if you're new to Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. During this season of the pod, we're gonna be walking you through all the new stuff we've been trying out on the app. Just think of us as your testing team.
1: So Chairman Tom, what have you been trying this week? This week, G, I've been having a go at some dynamic workouts. These use Zwift's terrain to train, so you can hit sprints, smash climbs, and put out steady efforts on the flat just like you might be used to doing in real life, just without the stop signs, the traffic, the headwinds, or the fear of blowing up half an hour from home with no food left. It's basically like riding your bike just like you would before indoor trainers. And that to me is pure magic. So if training plans or set intervals are too boring, too intimidating, or maybe just not your thing, go and give Dynamic Workouts a go this week.
0: Right, Chairman Tom, what's the first item on the agenda today?
1: Yeah, well Garen, I've been very busy. I'm on a recruitment drive at the moment as Chairman. We are reopening applications for our listeners to become GTCC road captains. We appointed over 65 of you, I think, last season, but there is always room for more. So here's the plan. We want passionate riders who love organising meetups and feel able to lead in-person group rides in their local areas. We have some amazing regular rides in the likes of Herefordshire and Worcestershire, but we would love to expand this. So if you're interested, either fill out the form on our Facebook group or email gtcc at crowdnetwork.co.uk and producer Louise will send you the form. Go on,
0: you know you want to. (laughs) Tom, I've also got an email from Matt Williams.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you might remember that Matt posted a picture in the GTCC Facebook group of him in his full beautiful GTCC kit in what he claimed was the steepest velodrome in Europe. Well, gee, we have found out which one it was. It was, in fact, in Geneva in Switzerland, which I think we got close to, didn't we? Matt has emailed to say, gee, was spot on in that it is only 166.66 metres Long, And that's exactly why the banks are so steep. Matt continues. Now, according to Wikipedia, it is a whopping 56 degrees compared with Cowshot, which we mentioned, 45 degrees. And the very shallow Geraint Thomas National Velodrome of Wales is 42 degrees. Uh, Matt goes on to say, clearly there is only one way to find out. And that is for Tom and G to come and settle the next round of their sporting challenge out here, as I'm sure they'll be passing through at some point. I'm always happy to host them for Jam Cheese and ham sandwich. Um, I feel feel, Matt like this challenge is slightly stacked towards the professional cyclist who has won two Olympic gold medals on the track.
0: Uh, Yeah, quite possibly. Um, But the jam, ham and cheese sandwich is what sold it for me. We should go just for that.
1: What are we going to call it? A CJH?
0: CJH. Yeah, that that works. A A half a CJH, two halves of a CJH, because we're having open sandwiches as well, aren't we Tom? Half sandwiches.
1: Of course we are, yeah, because we're half Danish yeah. now.
0: Um, but yeah, okay, yeah, I, I agree with what you said there. Um, although I, I, I'm I still, I would dispute the 45 degrees of Cal shot and 40, 42 in the Garen Thomas National Valley in Wales. I'm still not, 42 sounds okay. but Because we actually ran around Cal shot when we were kids, like up around the blue, <laughs> and it was bloody steep. <laughs> and we've done it in Manchester as well. And it seems a lot steeper than just three degrees difference. But I don't know, maybe, you know, adolescence growing. I don't know, your limbs a bit funny. Maybe I just got a different feel for it. I don't know, but...
1: Well, Wikipedia is only Wikipedia, gee. It's, you know, it's not absolutely definitive at all times. So...
0: Yeah. Well, I could go on it now, couldn't I, and t- change it technically?
1: <laughs> well, you could, yeah. There I you I might go. go and
0: change it now. Garen Thomas National Validorm Wales, 142 degrees.
1: <laughs> Steepest bank in, in the world. <laughs> Uh, We have also had a lovely email in from Simon Bulmer, who is one of our official GTCC domestiques. Simon says, I started listening to the podcast from the beginning after finding you in December. In the last six weeks, I've worked in four countries, moved house, helped my parents move house, and settled them into my home as they need care, all with my three-year-old boy in my shadow. You have woken up the cycling bug in me. He says, I quit more than 30 years ago after a friend got run over by an oil tanker when we were training in southern Africa. At the time, we were teenagers and cycling was everything. I won the Namibian Championships at under 15s. We travelled all over racing and having a great time. I have now just bought a bike via the cycle to work scheme and I'm really enjoying being on the road again. And I've got my new Zwift hub in the garage while I make space in the house for it. And let my wife know about my unauthorised purchase. Forgiveness is easier than permission, they say. Welcome Mm -hmm. back to Cycling, Simon.
0: Yeah, I love that saying as well. But, um, no, yeah, good on you. Good to see you back enjoying riding the bike.
1: Yeah, and it's nice to hear, because we've been doing this pod for a while. Um, it's nice to hear that people are still discovering it from the start and dipping into the GTCC community. Most
0: definitely. And here's a reminder then to go and join the community on the GTCC Facebook group. You can connect with other members, hear about our weekly Zwift rides or our in-person meetups as well.
1: Yeah, and if you fancy becoming an official GTCC domestique like Simon, then go to patreon.com forward slash GTCC. You'll get access to bonus monthly content to discount codes on merch and much, much more. Final item for today, Garrett, we have had a request in from, quote, Welsh Rich, who's asked us to get Lachlan Morton on the podcast. Thoughts, season four? Yeah, why not? I don't think
0: I I must have raced with him a couple of times, but I don't know him that well. But I've obviously seen the mad things he's done. He was riding in flip-flops, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, this is... If you don't know Lackland, listeners, he is an Aussie rider who rides for EF Education. G has sort of... It began as a side uh, project, didn't it? And now it seems to have taken over his whole life of mm-hmm. ridiculous sporting challenges that most of us would run a million miles from.
0: Yeah, I think he did the whole tour to France in front of us. Like a day in front, he did the stage we were doing the next day. So yeah, fair play to him. And I think he ended with... Maybe not flip-flops, but like sandals, you know, because I don't know what happened with his feet, but yeah, it it doesn't sound pretty. I actually found, I actually met someone, uh, that reminds me, that rode from Auckland and he's riding all the way down to the south of the South Island. I met him in Queenstown on top of some random climb and he was wearing some, uh, well, Jesus sandals, you know, those things. And he had ridden all the way down from there and I was like, oh, what are you doing it for? He's just like, oh, yeah, just, you know something to do he's from America (laughs) and he's going to Sri Lanka next and I was like mad so I took a picture of him actually I should send it to you
1: well we'll stick that on our social media channels shall we on that note see you next week enjoy Los Angeles
0: will do oh what do they say no no I'll do do American accent next (laughs) week when I've got there when I've been here for a week
1: it's too much (laughs) of a transition for you from going from Australia to New Zealand to LA we'll give you a bit more time
0: yeah I can't even yeah my mind is fried next time
1: that was the Garrett thomas cycling club thanks to club secretary louise gawilliam heads of music emma hickman and frank beecher head of social archie Biltcliffe, and our honorary president mike carr but most of all thanks to you for listening we'll see you next time ciao ciao crowd network a place where you belong